listening to Fresh Take. You are listening to the Fresh Take Network. Good afternoon, good evening, all you wonderful, wonderful F1 fans around the world. Thank you for tuning in. If you're hearing my voice, it can only mean two things. One, that my name is Kelsey, and two, you are listening to the newest edition of F101. And as always, we're going to start off this episode with the hot topics. This is everything you need to know in the world of F1, starting off with the continuation of the Lewis Hamilton Mercedes or Ferrari Mercedes saga. It has been officially reported that each year of Lewis Hamilton's contract, and we still don't really know how long that's going to be, but he is getting paid north of $100 million per year. Now that is including his salary. That is including all of his sponsorship money that he has. That is he's bringing with him. That's monster energy drink. That's IWC watches as well as he is getting a boatload of money from now Ferrari and all the sponsorship that is related to them. $100 million. I do believe I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. This does make him the most high paid formula one driver in the history of formula one. Is he worth every single penny that, I mean, in the past, yes, absolutely. He was worth every single cent he was getting paid because he had the track record to, to, to back it up. He had the performances to back it up as of late and going into the future. Is he worth that much money? Only time will tell moving on next subject. And we're going to pop through these fairly quickly. Uh, we had some car launches today and this leads right into our next hot topic. Stake F1 hasn't even put the car on the track yet. They're revealing their car today and they're already in hot water in Switzerland over there. Um, you know how legal their sponsorship is in Switzerland. And essentially the issue is, is that Switzerland has some of the highest gambling regulations in the entire world. And that doesn't go with, uh, that goes with how old you are before you can gamble, how often you can gamble, and more specifically, the advertising rights to any kind of organized gambling organization, game, company, all that kind of stuff. And they are heavily, heavily, and I mean heavily regulated over there. So now, what's state going to do? There's teams in, you know, South, the, the races that will be happening in the Middle East, they're not allowed to broadcast uh, their stake sponsorship. So now all of a sudden you're going to go to Kick. Kick is an online platform for influencers. And it just happens to be that stake, the online casino, does use Kick, but it's totally legal, at least out east, that they're allowed to use this kind of sponsorship. Switzerland, again, on the other hand, has absolutely no issues when it comes to the Kick part of the sponsorship. Again, online platform, and you can use it for essentially whatever you want to do. But Salva taking on the stake as the head 
sponsorship of the car. It seems, and it's like, it's turning into a massive, massive big deal that it doesn't, it's not gonna, it's not gonna provide the revenue that they were hoping it was going to. They're getting publicity about it, which is fantastic. Unfortunately for them right now, it's all bad. So what are you going to do? Do you switch sponsorship names and you're going to put kick on more often than not, like for over half of the teams, or are you going to go with stake for North America and you're going to go to Japan and Europe. But as soon as you hit Switzerland and the middle East, are you automatically going to switch from stake sponsorship to kick stake has a bigger piece of the pie when it comes invested into this car it's, it's essentially named after stake the the company or the, not the company the model name of the car is the s i think it's 44 or something along that line the s stands for stake or the st44 so they've essentially bought the naming rights to the car but now you can't use that sponsorship money because or you're losing sponsorship money because you're not getting eyes on your brand around the world as much as you thought you were going to do so what are they going to do this is going to be a massive big question. The first race is at the end of February. It's the 28th weekend in Bahrain. Like, are you going to keep the name stake on there? I mean, it's called stake F1 team. Or are you just going to do the kick F1 and just kind of be done with it? Kind of take the lumps with what you absolutely can. Maybe have stake as a much smaller sticker sponsorship on the car. Or maybe you create a brand new logo where it's kind of like what Marlboro did when it came to Ferrari. You just keep changing the name every year. You keep changing the logo every year and get away with it as much as you possibly can. Stake is the head sponsorship of the Sauber team only for 24 and 25. It's only two years and they've signed on for the full two year deal. And then it becomes Audi. How much money they're actually going to make from this collaboration, how much grief and how much bad publicity they're going to accumulate over the next two years. Is it? going to be worth it it's time for the stake f1 sponsorship group to sit back and probably rethink the name of the team it's not too late you can still call it stake f1 but then have the kick logo out or incorporate the colors differently or something along that line but it seems at this point that even if switzerland's getting mad at you because of what you represent and the legalities behind it it might be time to switch team names now, the last hot topic we're going to cover, it's a very, very new and very evolving topic. Um, as much as I've been able to find out, as much as I've been able to read and listen and ask around, there is not a whole lot of information that has come out about this. So we're going to give you a quick, uh, a quick overview of what the issue is as it stands right now and uh, potentially where it might go. Now, a little disclaimer, so <laughs> I don't get myself into trouble. There is absolutely no proof one way or another if this person is guilty of the accusations against them, nor is anybody implying that they are guilty. I am just reporting what I know so everyone else stays up date. Now, that being said, Christian Horner is under massive, massive pressure as allegations of inappropriate conduct has come out over the last essentially 48 hours. Now, the, the, what I've been able to find out is the actual claims against him as him uh, performing in an unprofessional manner using his authority. So essentially what that means, and I'm, I know I butchered the legality, the legal name of it, but essentially what the issue is, is he's being accused of 
using his uh, position of power to make someone do something they don't want to do. Now, that's as much as we know, period, end of story. Uh, there hasn't been any substantial claims, whether it was of an inappropriate sexual nature, if it was a violent nature, if it was anything like that. Reports have been coming out by some legitimate uh, um, resources, not resources, um, sources, both in and out of Red Bull. It looks like it's leaning more towards the what the his temper essentially he has it's easily and widely known that that christian horner sometimes can lose his temper and it seems to be it's going in that direction where he abused his power to take your guest make somebody stay late uh yell at you know yell at employees not paying employees due to his power position it's more of that nature is what it sounds like it's going to become um now that being said again we don't have a whole lot of of information red bull has hired and the f1 has agreed that they have brought in a 100 separate third party entity to investigate all claims against christian horner and they will make their evaluation and there is supposed to be a press release on friday afternoon that being said less than 24 hours it's been out people are calling for his resignation there's articles running around that red bull wants him gone that it's just easier if you just go off into the sunset, not make a big deal about this. Christian, to his credit, has made a public statement that he is um, fighting all of these allegations that they are not true, and that you know it's 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 a whole lot to do about nothing. But he's not giving any kind of specifics on who it is, what the topic is. He has been advised by his legal counsel not to say anything along those lines until the investigation is fully complete, which makes 100% sense in my mind. So this is very much a ever-evolving issue, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot more details of this story before the Friday press conference and before the Friday release, and be sure that I will keep everybody updated as much as I possibly can. And that is everything you need to know in the world of F1. And let's get right into it. it is officially car release season. Now, there has been three cars released already as of today, February 7th. We have three teams that has revealed their cars. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do this in groups of three. And then that way, the very last team, obviously, which is Red Bull, they're going to have their own little, you know, their own little segment. And that will just lead into the very first race of the season. So we're going to go through three cars today. Uh, two of which were more, definitely more impressive than the last one or the first one in this case. And there's going to be some very obvious reasons. The first car that was released was on February 2nd. And that is Haas. It's a little surprising that Haas would release a vehicle. Um, their, their 2024 car. They'd show everybody the first or the second of February. It's a little early, even by F1 standards. It means one of two things. Either one, you are so ahead of the game and you have everything sorted and organized that you can be the first ones out of the blocks and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be brand new. It's going to be innovative. It's going to blow everybody out of the water or it's going to be absolute shit and you're literally just going to show them a brand new color scheme. This seems to be a little bit of both and I'm going to explain to you why. Haas's car reveal was a digital car reveal it kind of looked like the opening credits to a video game or a movie very impressive the color scheme it's not nearly as blocky as it has been in previous years there's a lot more uh 
U.S. themes. There's a lot more red, white, and blue on the car, which I do enjoy. It does bring a little bit of a breakup to the color scheme of just mainly black and red. And from what I've seen so far for the first three cars, that black seems to be a theme this year, and there is a general reason why that is. Black is necessarily everyone's favorite color, but black is the color of the carbon fiber that's on the car. So if you just leave the carbon fiber bare, you're not going to add more weight to your vehicle by adding paint. Is this a smart idea? Yeah, absolutely. And then on the flip side, it makes the teams be more, a little more imaginative with their color schemes. You know, maybe you put a accent strip here and there where it would normally just be a full panel block of color, things of that nature. We are seeing a much better color scheme this year than I have noticed in previous years. But back to Haas, it was 100% digital. Okay, so that, what does that mean? The digital rendering that they gave us is very, very impressive. It really is. It looks great. The only thing with it for me as a fan is that it's digital. You can show me a rendering until the cows come home, your face turns blue, at you know, whatever saying you want to use. But to me, this means they are so far behind that they don't actually have anything in production. This shows a very fast car. This shows a very edgy car, up-to-date car, which is amazing. It also shows it's a very expensive car. The updates that they have shown on the renderings it's a little bit of Mercedes. It's a little bit of Red Bull. It's a little bit of Haas. It's also a little bit of Ferrari. They're taking bits and pieces from everybody, which is an intelligent thing to do. But when you're looking at the car head on, first thing you're going to notice again in the rendering, the side pods are much wider, but they're also much thinner, forcing the air above and then most definitely compared to last year below. They've kind of scooped it out where it's a more flowing from the tire. You're going to go over and it just kind of scoops down and underneath the side pods a little more gently than you would normally see from the VF 23. Um, the side pods, like I said, are much wider. The intakes to the side pods are also much, much thinner as well. They're longer, but they're thinner, forcing the air a little bit faster in the back. The back wing look again, it looks amazing, but I wanted to see this car in real life. It looks impressive. It looks massively awesome. But then at the same time, when you watch the reveal and when you look at the pictures, places like the floor where you see a ton of detail in every other car, either throughout the season or at the beginning of the season when they reveal them, you see a lot of detail. In this, you don't see detail at all. It looks like a flat edged floor. Now, unless someone forgot to put in the graphics of the side pod floor or of the floor, it looks like they're going to have absolutely no detail whatsoever. It looks impressive like i've said it looks it's almost too good to be true now i know i rag on haas a lot i want them to succeed but i can't get my hopes up as a fan and as a person who's not just a fan of the team but a fan of f1 i can't get into this i can't get super excited about it because as of right now it's not real now february 11th uh, they're supposed to be doing like the live running of the car just to get things tested out before the first race at the end of the month in Bahrain. And they're in Silverstone for that. But still, they're not going to broadcast that as far as I know. And if they do, what you're going to see in the rendering compared to what you see on track is going to be 
and they're vastly, vastly different. They're showing the air intake on the back of the car. Just, you know, go where the driver's head is. Now go up and back. It looks rounder. It looks like it's going to be much more aerodynamic. You're going to get more air intake. It's going to help the engine. But how does it perform? How does it, how does it work for the guys on the track? Overall, the presentation was great. I'll give that an 8 and 10, 8 out of 10. But the overall idea of it and the overall fact that I didn't actually see a physical car, you didn't hear anybody talk about it, um, and it looks too good to be true for me. Overall car reveal for Haas, I am going to give it a 3 out of 10. They can do much better than what they have, but only time's going to tell. Moving on, next car. It is the brand new reveal of the Stake F1, previously Alfa Romeo slash Stake Sauba Formula One team. First impressions, looking at the car, it's very futuristic. It's very cyberpunky with that that green uh, with the black, very little white. I love the color scheme. It makes it very futuristic, makes it look very aggressive, which is what I love. The presentation itself was one of the better ones that I've seen. It was very, it had a nice retro feel like this is the coming of a new era. This is going to be the biggest thing in Formula One for years to come. Overselling themselves just a little bit. They made it sound like Stake was going to be a major player for many, 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 many years to come. Where realistically, Stake is only involved for the next two years until um, Audi comes in. And there's still no guarantee that Stake or Kick were even going to be anywhere around when Audi comes in. Great presentation, though. Um, physical car, which is nice. You could see the rendering of the side pods. Again, they're more shaped. They're more shapely. They're pushing the air um, instead of over the side pods more. They're pushing the air under the side pods onto the floor, giving them more realistic downforce. Also giving them more consistent downforce, which is what this team needs. A theme you're going to be seeing throughout most of these cars. It's a very Red Bull comboed with Ferrari beginning of 2023 season kind of side pods. They've got that sloped swooping version of Red Bull, but then at the same time, you've got the skinny width of a Ferrari and a little bit of a Mercedes. Um, so what they've done when you're looking at the front car from the 2023 version, you would see the side pod. It was very chunky. It was very wide and very short. What they've done essentially is they thinned it out. They've made it flatter. They made it a little bit longer. So they, again, more air, cooler engine, better downforce, things of that nature. Uh, for those of us who like a little bit more of the technical aspect, you're going to see that they've definitely changed up the suspension setup. You're going to drastically notice that the suspension arms aren't nearly as thick. Um, I do believe they've gone from a pull rod to a push rod system. Again, kind of along the same lines as what Red Bull did. Red Bull did a fantastic job in 22 and 23 being able to keep control of the car when you're diving into those corners and around slower corners or along the straightaways, you were able to control, they were able to control the car that much better. So again, kick has gone that direction as well. Color scheme, we're going to go back to that for two seconds. The black that you see again on the car is just straight up blanked carbon fiber. Again, they're saving money on the paint. They're saving money. Uh, are they saving weight for not having paint on there? I do see it as a theme throughout the rest of the, uh, the rest of the, the grid as well. Uh, the back end looks much wider, also looks a little bit more aerodynamic, better downforce for the car as well. 
the front end is not the front end that we're going to see and in Bahrain. So when the uh, aerodynamic engineers came on and they were talking about the cars and the representatives and all that kind of stuff, they made a statement of, hey, we're playing really outside the box here. This goes against all the rules. It looks good, but they essentially alluded to the fact that the front end is going to change. So it's not going to nearly be as... They never really alluded to what the front end will look like in the future. The only thing that I can possibly see that they're going to fix is the wings in the front. They're not going to be as angled up. That does reduce your it reduces your drag from going forward through the air. It also doesn't give you as much downforce. So I can see the front wing being much flatter to the car itself, uh, as well as the front nose of it itself. It seemed to be a little bit too pointed down. Um, think Ferrari 2021, 2022, where it came to a point, but it really dove down. I do think that they're going to lift that up just a little bit, again, to help with the side wings to give that much more downforce to the car. Overall look for the for the stake F1 team, I'm definitely going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. I love the green. I love the black. I love the minimalistic part of it. The sponsorships are the only white parts on the car, which is nice. It doesn't take away, but it doesn't add to the, you know, could, what could be a very complicated and very eyesore type um, layout. So I do enjoy that. The overall reveal of the car and the car itself, they were straight to the point. The only thing that I wish they would do more often, but again, this is pre-testing, pre, you know, really running it to the road to before the first race is that they did mention they're going to change out, you know, they're going to change the nose, they're going to change bits and pieces here and there, which is fine because you want that car to be as ready as you possibly can. I just wish when they come to reveal the car that it was the actual car they're going with and not just bits and pieces here and there that, well, we're going to change this before the race day. We still have a month. We're working on this part, but they did show a full physical car. It was nice. The presentation was great. I'm going to give that an eight and a full eight out of 10. And last but not least on the same day, Williams revealed their 2024 car. And I mean, I love it. I like the color scheme of it. I also like the way they played with the representation of where they're going from where they have been. Again, most notably, you're going to look at those side pods. They're a little bit, actually, they went the opposite direction that most teams did. They are a little bit wider than they are long. Uh, Williams did experiment with that the season before they were okay. They didn't work amazing um, to what they wanted, but at the same point they needed to go in a direction. So they chose to a little bit out of the box. Maybe what mo some people think is a step backwards is actually going to be a massive step forward for them, but only time will tell on that one. But then continuing on with the trend for what we're seeing for 2024, they are very Red Bull-esque. They are very end-of-season Mercedes-esque, again, in the way they're shaped. It's that modified teardrop, so you're pushing air above the side pods, like I said before, same thing. Then you've got it modified where you're pushing the air below the side pods, much more downforce for Williams. And for them, what their biggest, uh, what they need majority of the time is uh, a little bit better tire uh, management because they're getting more downforce because it looks essentially like they've slimmed out the car. They've lost a couple kilos. They've definitely changed the front wing as well. It's not nearly as scooped up again, more downforce. Also the nose itself, it's not nearly as rounded. They flattened this out quite a bit 
as well as they've opened up the air intake for the nose as well. It looks really, really, really slick. The wing in the back, the whole entire back unit, I think personally, a lot of people say there's not a whole lot of difference. What I see is a slightly higher wing in the back. Uh, better Again, better for DRS when you open that up. You're off to the races. That tire degradation for them is going to be much, much better and much more car friendly than it was in the 23 season just because of all the aerodynamic uh, advancements they've made. The floor, it looks really similar to the 2023 version. Again, it's probably going to be different by the time you hit the first race at the end of the month. Things always change. Things always get better when it comes to these type of cars. So I expect Williams to come just out of the blocks, just aiming for the top, just, you know, absolutely going full broke for going for broke this season, just because this car, it looks to be heading in the right direction, which means if they can evolve it properly through, you know, proper evaluation and proper testing and just taking their time, just kind of like the McLaren did. I would love to see Williams go the McLaren route the way they did it. They take their time. They introduce maybe one or two little updates as they go. If they're going to suck at the beginning of the season, just say it. We're not going to do as well as we thought we would, but here is our, you know, here's our upgrade uh, trajectory. Here's the way we want to go. And here's how we're going to do it. It's going to be, it's going to be an amazing year for, for Williams. Now, the nice thing I like to see about Williams as well, as they're starting to buck the, it's the one team that's bucking the trend as of right now, they actually have more color on their car than the last two teams. will. uh, they do say they do have another livery out there. So a little bit different paint job. It's a little darker. It looks nice. It really does. It, it brings back for those of us who have watched either the documentaries or know Williams from way back in the day, the color scheme and the, the specific colors and the patterns you see on the back of the car is a tribute to the original Williams family who brought the team in. It's, it's one of the greatest tributes I've ever seen. It's not too in your face, but yet it's just subtle enough where it's like, if you know, you know. Another fantastic thing for Williams, they're still um, intertwined with Mercedes. So the power unit is going to be the same, if not much, much better. I do expect Williams to challenge this year with a car like this. There's no reason why there's no reason why they can't. So my rating, the car itself, the way it looks, the proper, I mean, all that kind of fun stuff. I honestly, I give it a solid eight, eight and a half out of 10. I've always loved that blue. I love how they've got Duracell belt in. The color scheme seems more flowing this year. The livery just seems a little bit more that next step mature. Like, hey, we're not just Williams, but we're here and we are a mature team. We're a team to be taken seriously, which is the feel that I get from this car. You have the history of it mixed in. You've got the new upgrades. Love it. Presentation for the Williams. Uh, they talked to the drivers. You saw a physical car. Again, alluded to the fact that maybe not every single part on the car will be, you know, the one that we see in Bahrain. But hey, that's, I mean, that seems to be a part of the game. So overall, I'm going to give that presentation about a seven, seven and a half. It wasn't overly, oh my God, this is amazing. But it also wasn't, you know, disappointing like Haas was essentially where it was just a rendering on a computer screen and that was it. So, I mean, all in all, great. Uh, it was very William Williams-esque. It was solid, wasn't over the top, and you know, 
you know, you know what you're going to get when you get this kind of presentation. So that is three down, seven to go. The last car, as always, will be the Red Bull. It kind of seems like the way they're going, it's it's not necessarily the lineup on how it ended, but you're starting with Haas, which is last, and then you're going to finish with Red Bull, who is first. It, it kind of seems a little, it kind of seems a little appropriate that that's how this is going. But overall, you know, not too bad of a, of a start. We've got Alpine coming up. And then we've got, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the grid, which is fantastic. New cars, same old drivers, um, new cars, new regulations, which we're going to talk about right now. But we're going to start with one that I had reported on earlier uh, in the off season where I had reported that F1 had decided to roll back the amount of power units that the drivers were allowed to have. They were supposed to have four, then all of a sudden they got knocked down to three. Well, internal investigation, investigations, internal you know, chit chats back and forth with the drivers and the teams and the FIA, and they have officially reversed this. They are still going to four from three to four uh, internal power units. That includes turbocharging. That is the um, power units. That's the charging unit in the power unit, like the battery saver, all of the, all of those fun things. So now we're going from three back to four for 2024 season for 24 races which makes sense to me you don't want to handicap your team you don't want to handicap f1 in general by blowing up too many engines with a longer season that we have i think this is a very smart move that is for 24 and 25 they are not touching that at all until the new regulations and new uh, outlines come out in 26 next one and i think this rule change is going to be a little bit more important than most people think about or than most people realize especially coming into the sport in addition the rules regarding drs has changed now the race director is able to trigger drs on the first lap instead of waiting for two mandatory laps just like 2023 and further back 21 20 so on and so forth this also applies to restarts in any kind of safety car period so essentially what's going to happen is let's say red flag comes out okay Everybody gets everyone safe. It clears it all out. You got a safety car restart after one lap. They don't have to, but they can turn on DRS after the first lap before it was a mandatory. You had to wait at least two laps before you trigger it. Now it's one lap. Everyone's ready to go. Cars are warmed up. Tires are back where they need to be and off they go, which I think myself is fantastic. It adds an extra level of urgency to the races as well as it keeps everybody a little closer and less likely to hit that drs train um by that i mean if someone's on a roll and they just hit that right opportunity after the first lap you catch a rookie not paying attention you catch someone who loses a little bit of grip you have that drs after the first lap and you're gone it's a game changer i think further on down the season is it nice to have drs yeah absolutely is it even better to have DRS after one lap, even instead of two, when you're on a track like Monza, when you're on a track like the Circuit of Americas, uh, when you're now in China, you know, the track that no one has really seen. If you, you know, get to used to it and you find that one DRS zone that you know you can pass somebody after the first lap, you're going to take it. There's no way these drivers are not going to. And the last one, and I think this is the most important one, is that there is alterations to the way the sprint shootout weekends are going to move on from here on out. They have changed some things. 
Sunday is still going to just be the Grand Prix. Okay. Sunday is race day only. That is what will stay forever. Now the Friday and Saturday have, you know, increasingly changed, which is fantastic. So the way this is going to go is Friday morning, you are going to have full practice one. Okay. Now that part doesn't change. Including in Friday now, you are now officially doing the sprint qualifying. There is no Grand Prix qualifying on Friday, either morning or afternoon, depending on how you want to look at it. It is strictly one full practice. And now all of a sudden you're doing sprint qualifying. Saturday morning or Saturday in general. Now you have the sprint race itself, the sprint shootout. No matter where you are, it's going to be the sprint shootout. And then a couple hours after that, now you're going to have the Grand Prix qualifying. So they've switched Saturday and Friday around. I think this is a fantastic idea. What this, what they've also done is they've taken away the Park Firma uh, rules and regulations as of Friday and Saturday up until you get to the Grand Prix qualifying. So the sprint now is officially being considered 100% separate. Park Firma rules no longer are in play for the Grand Prix after the sprint weekend. Okay, does that make sense? Let's go over it one more time. Friday, full practice, one hour full practice like they did last season. But now you've got sprint qualifying on Friday. Saturday comes, you have the sprint shootout. So you've got that race. And then a couple hours later, now you've reset. The, the teams are allowed to tweak and work on their cars because there's no more park for me rules. And now you're going into the actual Grand Prix qualifying Saturday afternoon or night, depending on where we are. Okay. Then you go into Sunday and you are officially back at it. It is race day Sunday. These are the brand new rules for 24 and 25 as of right now. Initial feedback from the teams and from the drivers. Obviously, they haven't done this yet. They are much more enthusiastic to do the sprint weekends now, it makes more sense to them, especially for the fact that you've got time to tweak your car one more time and then it's race Sunday. They're essentially taking the sprint race as an extra full practice two and three just at higher speeds, which I think is a fantastic idea for them to do. I think this is going to be a massively, massively important step for them. Um, I think this ensures that the sprint weekends will now officially stick around. Because the way it worked last season, a little bit of growing pains as it normally would be for anything new. It worked, but it didn't at the same time, um, especially for when the team started to decide they're going to take pit lane violation penalties and grid penalties to tweak their car for the actual race. Now you're saving the penalties. Now you're saving the parts and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. And now it's actual race weekend one more time. And last but not least, a little bit of update. I had mentioned at the beginning, end of last season and the beginning of the off season episodes that the rules of challenging the stewards for any kind of decision had been drastically lessened. It's no longer two weeks. It's like 96 hours, something along that line. And then there were fines to go along with it. Well, the FIA and F1 have officially released how much those fines are going to be. Previously, this international sporting code fine was anywhere between 215,000 pounds all the way up to 270,000 pounds. Okay. Now this year off the bat, if you're challenging, you have to put money down. Essentially you're betting against your challenge going, Hey, this is what they did. If they're proven right, you get your money back. 
if you're proven wrong, you know how much it's going to cost your, your team? It's going to cost you a million pounds. That's how much they want to crack down on inappropriate and time-wasted challenges when it comes to the stewards. A million pounds coming out. And this is coming out of your budget for the year. This can drastically, and I mean drastically, fuck your entire year when it comes to paying for you know, wind tunnel time, paying for parts, paying for R&D, all of that. A million pounds if you get it wrong. If you get it wrong four times out of 24 races, you're down four million pounds. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about that. It's the new rules. It's the new regulations until further notice. They might review it in 2026, but I highly, highly doubt it just for the fact that they want to crack down on you know, teams like Haas that just throw out challenges for absolutely no reason. So a million pounds, in my opinion, is definitely going to limit that. And well, folks, there you have it. That is the first three cars of the car release season in 2024. And uh, you know what? We've got seven more cars to go. I expect to see more carbon fiber. I expect to see a lot less paint. I also see expect to see a lot of out-of-the-box thinking for the higher-end teams compared to the rest of the grid. So until then, stay tuned to F101 for everything you need to know in the world of Formula One. Thank you for listening to the Fresh Take Network. Follow us on social media platforms at Fresh Take 42.